Votes Verified. Is it a crucial stage? It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and we are indeed live broadcasting on WCET-FM in Columbia, South Carolina, live across the world from the broadcast platform of thelastfrequency.com. Also, you can hear us live on the Vera Network at tunein.com, as well as on, what is that, what's the other app? Uh, Doug, help me out here. Uh, the other app, I, I mm, Okay, Doug doesn't remember either. I don't know. <laughs> You're asking me in my condition tonight? <laughs> we can hardly oh, stay I... awake as we're tired. <laughs> okay, anyway, it's Friday. <laughs> Here we are, and it is Friday. Uh, Doug and I both have had long days, and we're uh, hanging in as well as we can, but we're not going to give up. going to have a fantastic show tonight. I'm going to spend that time together. Looking forward to tonight's show. Uh, first hour's kind of got a strange theme. I didn't really plan it that way, but 
usually when these themes kind of come together, when I don't plan it, I take that as a divine sign that the message needs to be made. Uh, first and foremost, going to be joined here in just a little bit by Connor Coots. He happens to be a powerhouse young man working with the college fix we'll uh, discuss both what's going on and his role there as well as a particular news item that broke in that they had some pretty good coverage of this week first time guest then we have a returning guest still in the first hour edward bartlett he is of course the founder of save a uh, guy that we've had on before and some representatives from SAVE as well, mostly focused on trying to make sure that previously guys were getting a fair shake when they were being accused of harassment. Uh, they're working on a whole new level now. Uh, and then in the second hour, we are expecting to be joined by the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, uh, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, Hanging out on Fridays with us now, Mr. Ron Edwards. So uh, that will hit the national storylines. We'll see where we go from there. But before I jump into any topic, I want to spend a moment reminding you to go visit today's sponsor. And, of course, today's sponsor is 4 Uh They want me to make sure that I hammer home the story of Craig. And Craig's story is one that you should be aware of because if you're not if you haven't heard of craig you may have heard of someone in a similar situation see craig was somebody who was trying to get through hurricane Ida, was being the father the husband the protector the man of the house went out got a gas-powered generator hooked it up but unfortunately something went wrong because something with the exhaust or being a little too close, whatever the situation might have been, Craig ended up, well, he went from being a family man to being a widower. He lost his wife and his two kids as a direct result of carbon monoxide poisoning. So, simple solution. What you need to do is go on over to 4 I will have a link in the show description if you're listening to the podcast, by the way. If you're not, if you're listening on one of the live platforms, come visit one of my social media sites. You'll find multiple links there. Visit 4 and check out the brand new generation Patriot Power Generator. Currently, the 1800 is the newest one. We're talking about a tragedy that happened to Craig that does not have to happen to you or anyone ever again. Thanks to these new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free generators, uh, generators that are now available to all Americans, even the ones who probably think they can't afford it, all they have to do is is visit 4patriots.com and once you're there check out these generators that are powerful enough to keep your phones charged to keep your medical devices running even keep your refrigerators going <laughs> Doug's showing me his hand cranked radio from the command center too keep your uh, your safety radios uh, charged and ready to go. Everything that you uh, could possibly need in an emergency, uh, these guys will help with. So, again, 
right now. Head on over to the number four for patriots.com and use the promo code TAP, that's T A P P, all caps. And when you do that, you get a 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including the Patriot Power Generator. Again, just go to fourpatriots.com, use the code TAP, T A P P, to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code TAP, T-A-P-P, and get your generator today. Be safe out there, guys. It's important. Doug's still uh, charging up his uh, hand-cranked radio. He's going to be ready to listen to the oldies here in a little bit if he's not getting any safety uh, weather updates. All right. It's solar panel. It's got solar panel on it right there, too. I don't have to crank it. He can crank it, but if the sun's not out, uh, he, if the sun is out, he can solar. Then you, it, then you got a cranker. There we go. All right, so we're spending a lot of time talking about on-campus situation. Now, we've talked about the situation with education for a while, but I came across this story, had hoped to have gotten to it in the last broadcast, which I hope you guys have checked out. If if you're not following the podcast, you really need to uh, get on here and listen to me. Uh, we're uh, really looking at this story, though. There was a professor who uh, came out. His uh, name is Stephen Greer. He's over at the University of Bristol, so he's in the UK, right? He told The Telegraph, quote, fearing they'll be canceled by free speech hating students, college professors are dumbing down courses. Now, we've been talking about some of the ill effects of college professors working for the indoctrination. We have talked to a certain degree about the issues ongoing with professors that give in to fear of the students, that do not make them attend the class, do not give them the work that once upon a time was expected in order to get a passing grade. Again, these students now just expect things to be given to them, and if it gets too hard, eh. Well, his situation is a little bit different in so much that he kind of has to face both, but he refused to back down. Stephen Greer... A former human rights lecturer at the University of Bristol told the Telegraph that he literally feared for his life after being falsely accused of Islamophobia. Now the Telegraph says that he's written a new memoir in which he sounds the alarm over the deterioration of freedom of speech in academics. Falsely accused of Islamophobia. My Struggle Against Academic Cancellation was the title of this memoir. It was published by Academia Press, and it encourages free inquiry and debate in an age of cruel, shameless, unaccountable, and groundless censorship, vilification, and victimization. Now, that alone is a title that sounds to me like it's worthwhile to go check out. I would be all about reading this uh, memoir, promoting this memoir, uh, seeing if we can't even get the guy on here. But uh, the background here is pretty simple and straightforward. There was a five-month investigation conducted by Bristol University back in July of 2021, and it fully exonerated Greer of all the allegations made against him. The allegations were that he was engaging in racism 
during the course of his class. See, students at the college, uh, they were really upset, especially folks that were part of the college's Islamic society. They complained back in 2020 that aspects of Greer's mode on Islam, China, and the Far East, which were all part of his human rights in law, politics, and society course, were racist and discriminatory. Students there fired off this petition, calling for Greer's suspension or dismissal if he didn't issue an immediate apology. Days later, he received a series of threatening emails and became alarmed after spotting someone loitering near his house. Now, a lot of us would say, okay, is this guy just, uh, is he being overly sensitive, maybe just a little bit overly suspicious? No, we live in a time where people on the left in this nation are willing to commit acts of violence and still blame the victims for the reason it got perpetrated. We've seen multiple examples of this here, and it happens in the UK too. And let's not forget the fact that if he's being accused of Islamophobia, well, it doesn't take a whole lot to set off the extremists that follow this philosophy to want to go stab people, behead people, kill people in the street. And it's been a real issue in the UK in particular. So Professor Greer probably had more than ample reason to be concerned. But it has gotten to the point, and he's sounding the alarm in this situation, that college professors who want to stand firm, who want to maintain a elevated level of excellence in order for you to obtain a passing grade in their classes, they're being forced to lower the expectations, to dumb down the courses. It is unacceptable in my mind, but it is the world we're living in. A lot of students feel very entitled. Looking at the clock real quick, and it is time right now for us to welcome to the show uh, one of my two first-hour guests who has a lot of experience when it comes to college campuses as well. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the recruitment and communications director for the college fix ladies and gentlemen first time guest mr connor coots connor welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me good to be on all right connor before we uh, dive into our primary topic that we wanted to discuss today uh tell everybody a little bit about uh, the college fix and what's going on there just in case somebody's not familiar Absolutely. So the College Fix is a national news website dedicated to covering higher ed from a conservative perspective. But really, a lot of what we do is covering underreported stories that the MSM uh, will not um, uh, series uh, of higher ed topics. And we have college reporters, student reporters, uh, over 70 of them across the, the country. And we also have a full time staff and, and editors. And one of our real goals is to train students in journalism uh, to be true journalists, write well, be accurate, be a 
you know, counter to the MSM. And, and in the 11 years or so we've been around, we have uh, over 100 alumni who have either been reporters or, or, or fellows for us in the media, uh, often in the in the conservative realm. Uh, we, we do uh, stories daily, and everyone can go to thecollegefix.com to read our content and to stay up to date on campus news. All right. Uh, Obviously, one of the strange things, or at least it seems strange to me, and it's because my mind does not work like a leftist, but we have seen this major push in academia uh, to kind of move in the direction of self-resegregation. And now we're seeing this major push as well for what they're referring to as anti-racism, which is essentially racism in reverse. They just look for some cutesy name that they feel like uh, doesn't sound as threatening. And, And we're constantly being told that's not really a thing that's happening, but we see evidence of it all the time. And a story that you guys covered this uh, past week, in fact, pretty well demonstrates that there is a significant uh, amount of this still going on, as there was a number of black students that were uh, engaging on a, uh, a chat platform where they were sharing a lot of their favorite insults directed primarily at white people. Uh, tell us a little bit about the story. Sure. So it... Uh... The story originated out of Auburn University, you know, that large school famous for their football and their competition with with Bama. But in this case, um, there was a group chat that uh, we came to find out actually included uh, hundreds of students. It's worth noting that it was not associated with the with the college, uh, you know, per se. Just some students. What we found out um, is that. Students are in it are from multiple universities. Uh, it was actually first kind of a whistleblowed or uh, re- revealed to Turning Point by, by a student at Auburn. And uh, he included some screenshots and things like this. And perhaps it was, you know, meant to be so, uh, maybe somewhat humorous, but, but it really includes some, some egregious names like, like uh, maggots, vermin, uh, shaved rats, pale face, drywall, walking ranch, some things that I had never even heard of or, or could, could could even think of, uh, all referencing white people. Now, uh, this is uh, largely at least originated as black students doing it. Who, you know, it's it's hard to tell that or verify perhaps the race of every of the, of the hundreds of students in it, but that's how it started, and that's what the the purpose is to to have, you know, racist and derogatory names for for Caucasian students. Uh, Auburn said it was looking into it. Uh, they're, you know, following their protocol or whatever and having the Office of Affirmative Action and, and, and whatnot look into it. What the concern is from Turning Point and, and kind of, you know, at large from, from uh, people who are follow these things is that if the shoe was on the other foot, if these, you know, racist, uh, you know, terms were directed towards black uh, students or students of color uh, by white students, it would, you know, be a a viral uh, story, very much likely. And uh, just a guess, based on 
previous occurrences, students would probably be expelled or, or suspended. So the issue isn't like a tit-for-tat. Racism is immoral. And in the case of, of certain circumstances where we've seen on college campus and discrimination, it can actually be, be illegal. Um, but it's it's just to, to be consistent. And, and so it didn't seem like the level of outrage is there. You know, it's it's uh, conservative sources kind of had to dig, and, and we certainly did to to get the bottom of this and and found out that it's a you know it's a very large chat and a, and a lot of a lot of uh, dozens of, of uh, racist terms for for whites uh, uh, in this chat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ed, Auburn, of course, acknowledged they'd actually been investigating it for nearly a month before uh, Turning Point USA first uh, started talking about it. And I, I do think it comes down to a case where these people felt like they were in a safe space. It did kind of seem like some of it was just meant to be humorous. Um, some of it did get pretty nasty, though. I was looking down some of these lists. I got to give kudos for some creativity on a few of them and some others. I'm just like, that's pretty twisted. But you're right. It's not even a case where uh, this is a big deal because – somebody decided to do it it becomes a big deal because there is that two-tier view of what's acceptable and what's not there's a wink and a nod here and we don't seem to be getting anywhere and it, it really does push us to a position where we need to understand that if you really are concerned about actual racism you don't heal the divide by engaging in the same behavior in the other direction. It's a message that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. himself uh, really tried to to get out as much as anyone else did and once upon a time thought to be the thought leader, and it doesn't even seem like he has a place in the messaging today. Uh, there are some people who are making an awful lot of money, therefore have a lot of investment in keeping us divided, and the fear is that if this is allowed and permitted on college campuses, that that divide is actually being widened and deepened uh, as opposed to uh, getting to a point where we can actually have a society where we understand we have more in common than we have different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what we have, uh, uh, you know, seen and, and this – uh, in some capacity, you know, these students have their free speech, and, and Auburn is are supporting them, have been investigating and following their protocol. Uh, however, you know, you can't help but think that that it was from everything we've seen, not not necessarily at Auburn, just at large, and, and how there's a kowtow to, to the media and, and expectations. It would be different if the if the uh, shoes on the other foot. Um, and, you know, whether, regardless of who's facing racism, you know, it's wrong and should be treated and handled the same way, regardless of who the, the victim and the perpetrator is, you know, uh, of those of those things. And the racial politics and the inconsistencies, especially on on college campuses, is, is pretty pervasive these days. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it really is astounding. Uh, you know, we we've talked about uh, I and my audience have talked a great deal in the past in regards to why 
the leftists, the globalist leftists, the folks that really want to get in and, and destroy our constitutional republic because the constitution is an impediment to their power, while they focused on trying to start controlling what happens on college campuses because they realize it's a good place to start indoctrination. And now it seems like they've realized that if they start targeting kids earlier and earlier, that it makes that just that much easier. Uh, during your time doing this, not just following this story, but how much would you say that college professors that don't buy in to woke ideologies are still under pressure to, to knuckle under and give in, sometimes partially because of students and sometimes partially because of higher-ups in the administration? Oh, I think that's very common. Um, in, in fact, you, you just see it everywhere. And, and something that I would point out that relates to that is the what some call diversocrats, right? These DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are, you know, have these huge budgets, these offices that, that want to promote diversity, which um, really, you know, becomes kind of meaningless. They just want to wokeify everything. But they have these administrators, especially large public universities, that, that they spend the, uh, their budgets are, are millions of dollars. And I think it was Ohio State and states, uh, schools like that, and, and Michigan had over 100 of these bureaucrats who do diversity. So they're the ones who are, you know, pushing a lot of these policies and things like that and making sure faculty comply. So, uh, yes, there's certainly a pressure to do it. And people uh, have left academe because of it, you know, and, and a, a fair amount of them aren't necessarily conservative, but they're what you might call classical liberal, but they're focused on wanting to teach students how to learn how to think not what to think, and not to indoctrinate them. And they have found themselves quite lonely at universities, even though that is what higher education is built for. And that was the intention. You know, it, it wasn't to, to virtue signal and, you know, to, to be these kinds of um, money mills, and especially really expensive. And they certainly don't need to be this expensive, in part because of these uh, how much money are spent on, on things like this. But, but yes, and, and the professors who also speak out do get punished. We, we, we cover them a lot, and sometimes they really can be good news stories because it is heartening to know that there are professors who uh, maintain their, their independence and will stand up for free speech, will stand up for uh, you know, uh, religious rights, and, you know, proud to be conservative, stand up for intellectual diversity. So, so there is a, a good element of those who resist when, they, when they're able to survive at, at their campuses or, or at least try to. Yeah, it is a shame that there are those kind of pressures. It's almost as if the purpose of college has been forgotten by those. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I greatly appreciate it. We're definitely going to have to get back together again soon because there's certainly no store, no shortage of stories to follow. Uh, real quick before I let you go, though, please remind everybody uh, where they can find uh, the College Fix online and uh, let them know any other things you would like to share, any other way 
websites and uh, if you invite people to follow you on social media or if you just want them following the College Fix, uh, what those handles would be. Sure. So, yeah, again, go on thecollegefix.com. You'll find all our stories there. And on the top right-hand corner, there's a button that you can subscribe to our newsletter. We just send it out twice a week. We don't uh, bombard you with emails, and you'll get our top, most important stories twice a week in your inbox. There's opportunities to, uh, you know, for merchandise to donate, things like that. But the best thing is is to keep uh, updated with our content and to read it. We're on all the social medias on, on Twitter. We're at College Fix and that we're the college fix on most of the other ones. And if you do a search of, of that just on the Internet, you can find them. So a lot of opportunities to uh, keep in touch. And, of course, if you have any news tips, things like that, or if you're a college student or no one who's interested in journalism, there's an opportunity to sign up to write for us as well on our website. All right, kind. You keep up all the great work over there, sir. Thank you much. Godspeed. God bless. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Likewise. Thank you very much. That's there. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Connor Coots. He is indeed the managing director of social media, public relations, and recruitment for the fix. And, uh, He's the all-around guy keeping the glue going over there. Uh, Doug, let's hit that mid-hour uh, break, and then once we come back, I fully suspect we'll have our next guest. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Derek Kenny, and you're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Has the federal government turned against us? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. The federal government, some state governments, and numerous local governments are, in my opinion, conducting open warfare against the sovereign citizens of this troubled republic. The recent arrests of Arizona rancher George Allen Kelly is a supreme reflection of the government war against law-abiding Americans. Over the past two years, seven million illegals have been encouraged by the Biden regime to slither into our republic. They live everywhere, from Rhode Island to the West Coast, at taxpayer expense. Many illegals have destroyed private property on the U.S. side of the southern border and have killed ranch animals and have harmed ranchers. The federal government and leftist state governments no longer recognized our unalienable right of self-protection or more recent stand-your-ground laws like they have in Arizona. Even Mr. Kelly's lawyer refuses to argue on his behalf to get him a reduced bail. According to Soros-inspired judges, district attorneys, mayors, and governors, domestic and illegal border-crossing criminals rule. Good law-abiding Americans drool. I'm Ron Edward. Until the next page from the Edwards Notebook, see ya. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. 
At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Dad, guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. Listening to Tap into the Truth. everybody thanks for staying with us for that very brief break i promise not to whisper in your ear but i won't shout either at least not tonight uh, however uh, in doug's case i might be whispering and shouting uh, depending on what's going on uh welcome to friday night here on tap into the truth we are live going out across the uh, airwaves and definitely happy to have with me our next guest uh before i introduce him though you need to understand that the gender agenda claims to be working for equality and inclusion and non-discrimination. But in reality, the gender agenda is a Marxist-inspired campaign that is seeking to redefine the meaning of sex itself and promote gender-transforming and sexualize students with age-inappropriate sex education classes and, of course, very inappropriate drag queen shows. And now we enter my guest, returning, uh, been a little while, but glad to have him back, the founder of SAVE, an organization that 
focuses on fairness and due process on college campuses. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Edward Bartlett. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for uh, joining us once again. And before we jump into anything, how are you this evening? Well, we're doing great. Uh, calling from the great state of Maryland. How's it going with you? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, got some cold weather following up some stormy weather. Uh, kind of weird to have thunderstorms one night and uh, a lot of snow uh, falling from the sky. None of it laying or nothing bad like that. But, uh, you know, it just gets really chilly after being so warm. It's kind of weird. But uh, definitely doing well, doing well. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I uh, never, uh, never fail to appreciate the work that you guys have been doing over at SAVE. Uh, for the longest time, a majority of the times that either you yourself or one of your representatives come on here, uh, we were talking about due process, especially for young men who were uh, accused of sexual assault on college campuses, uh, many of those occasions uh, falsely so. And even in the incidences where there was some level of something to it, still just no due process at all. But now... Say, in order to do and meet the mission, you guys have uh, taken on a whole new role trying to protect parental rights and bathroom and locker room privacy. Uh, you're stepping up to protect women's sports. Uh, and this is just a natural extension of what you were already doing, right? Uh, that's exactly right. And because this is all about the federal law known as Title IX. And Title IX was passed 50 years ago. It's supposed to be all about stopping sex discrimination in schools, and of course that's a very good thing. Unfortunately, we are now seeing an attempt to bastardize Title IX, and the way the Biden administration is doing that is by trying to redefine the very fundamental word of sex to include gender identity. Now, what could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> Yeah, excellent question. Uh, I have a feeling, though, that uh, that world-famous engineer by the name of Murphy, his rules in full effect, if it can, <laughs> it definitely will, especially with the Biden administration. Well, it, uh, so once you change the meaning of sex, um, the, the ripple effects on our families on children and on society at large are extraordinary. So if we can, let's let's focus in on this concept of gender transitioning, which is really totally mind boggling, but it's really happening not just in a couple places here and there, but it's happening all over the country. So gender transitioning is basically is what I'd like to think of as as a, a triple uh, threat. So first of all, it represents medical malpractice because the the research showing any any presumed benefits of this is extremely weak to non-existent. Uh, secondly, this represents an extraordinary intrusion on parental rights because parents usually are not told that uh, that the school counselor is discussing, you know, transitioning to a different sex. And third of all, this represents an extraordinary form of child abuse, both psychological and medical. It's psychological because now we're tinkering with 
did sense of self-identity. You know, am I a boy? Am I a girl? Or am I none of the above? Wow. I mean, just think about the impact of that on a child's sense of self-concept. Not to, not to even dwell on, on, on all of the medical problems of uh, administering what are called pu- puberty blockers, which in, in themselves had, have a whole set of problems. And then finally, if, if the child goes to the last phase, it's called top surgery or bottom surgery. I think you know what we're referring to. It's really uh, a Mengelian experiment being performed on the youth of our, of our country. Yeah, yeah. I it, just just to put it bluntly, and I, I'll use the more blunt terms so that uh, nobody will associate it with you. But we are literally engaging in surgical mutilation and chemical castration of children. And college sports right now are being used as a way to try and help promote it. We saw things like the Leah Thomas uh, situation unfold, uh, and. In these efforts, you're seeing uh, just so much pressure being put to normalize and, and try to to make it seem like it's the rational side of the argument. I, I really – I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how we've got this far. I, we, we, of course, have been seeing it coming for a while, uh, and we saw the effort of the government moving in that direction even back during the Obama administration when they started trying to use uh, Title IX uh, as an effort to allow the locker room and bathroom situations through schools. And it seems like the Biden administration's taken that uh, to a whole new level. But uh, all the politics aside, it really is causing a great deal of damage to these young kids during their uh, formative mental years. And this pressure to to try and uh, – I don't even want to use the word treat, but that's the word they're using. Uh, it's not treating. It's abusive behavior. Uh, it creates a lifelong issue for these uh, children as they advance forward. And the worst part that's being revealed, and I think the part that's going to allow the American people to eventually start really digging in and pushing back hard, is where the parental rights are being covered. The effort to try and do this in secret, manipulate these children secretly. Uh, How many different uh, programs do you guys have going on at SAFE right now in trying to push back against this? Well, we're pushing back on every level we possibly can. Uh, We've actually organized a group called the Title IX Network. Uh, Right now we have 204 organizations, some very big and and powerful, some small, some at the state level. But all of these groups are united in pushing back on the Biden Title IX. uh, It was actually a proposed rewrite of the Title IX regulation that the Department of Education released back in June. And and there's so many things wrong with it, but the, the, the thing that really sticks out like a sore thumb is this this proposal to change the definition of sex. And and it, it, you know, we can't re- we can't overstate the implications of that because sex is probably the most fundamental concept biologically and legally and socially in our society. Yeah. 
I mean, it is something that's very prevalent. Most Americans in particular, they have the idea set. They understand the concept. You don't even have to break it down to the science of 2X chromosomes equals female, XY chromosomes equals male. No matter how you surgically attack or chemically attack a person's body, the chromosomes don't change. Uh, the idea that mental maturity doesn't happen until somewhere around the age 26. The long-standing uh, data that supports the fact that an overwhelming majority of people that actually suffer from gender uh, dysphoria typically outgrow it by the end of puberty with no other treatments being uh, involved at all. And then the majority of the folks that do still have gender dysphoria after that normally outgrow it by the time they reach that mental uh, maturity age of 26 so much of that data is there and it, it's so easy to find but there is no long-term data on the overall effects of the chemical castrations and the uh, surgical mutilations that they're doing uh, but the short term that we're getting now because you know obviously they haven't been doing it that long but the short-term data is starting to suggest that there's an overwhelming amount of regret, and that's because the dirty little secret that they don't want to talk about is the kids they're doing this to aren't actually suffering from gender dysphoria. They're suffering from a social contagion, and the signs are everywhere. The data's everywhere. They keep ignoring it because they have an agenda. Thank God for you and organizations like yours that are pushing back legally because without that, there's a lot of parents that would have nowhere to go. Well, you're, you are very knowledgeable, and everything you've just said is absolutely correct. Let me actually give you an example uh, of, of how this played out not too long ago. Uh, this happened in California, and this was an 11-year-old girl uh, attending uh, her elementary school. And, and one day she was talking to the counselor at the elementary school, and she, she j happened to say, uh, sometimes I feel like a boy, all right? On the basis of those, just those words, the counselor said, aha, okay, well, obviously you are a boy, and we need to do everything in our power to make that happen. So, so guess what? She got a, a, a new name, a masculine name, um, and, but surprise, surprise, her parents were never told about this, this, uh, this transitioning happening at the local school, uh, it wasn't until four months later, and by the way, this girl's mental health uh, kept getting worse and worse uh, after she you know, took on the, 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 the male name and people started to talk to her like she was a, a male student. Her mental, her mental health condition went downward uh, to the point that her, her parents finally did find out that this, this was happening. They took her out of that school. They re-enrolled her in a different school, uh, and she reverted to being female again. Uh, they didn't do any surgery on her, but just just that that first phase, the the so-called social transition, was enough to really confuse her and lead to her mental health or exacerbate her mental health problems. So anyway, 
So long story short, uh, last month a lawsuit was filed. Again, this was in California. It was the Sierra View Elementary School uh, in Chico, California. So, so now we have a lawsuit filed by the parents saying, why are, why are you messing with uh, our, our 11-year-old daughter? Uh, she just happened to say one day that she, someday she felt like a boy. Yeah. yeah, and that's really all it takes. I know that in some states, and I think California is one of them, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if you do have a child that's uh, in need of uh, psychological assistance, you, you take them to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, if they just say the phrase uh, involving the idea of transgender, they're no longer allowed to treat them in any other fashion. Uh, they, they're supposed to pursue that. Uh, and to me, that why on earth does any state think it has the legal authority to dictate how treatment should go, especially if the therapist, the psychologist, the psychiatrist can diagnose these other uh, comorbidities, as the ter term goes, which is almost always present in instances where uh, people tend to believe themselves to be transgender or, in some cases, some of these other more extreme uh, identities like transableist or transspecist. Uh, they always seem to be suffering from some level of depression. Uh, a lot of them are actually uh, somewhere on the autism scale. In fact, uh, I was reading uh, just another article about yet another young boy who was autistic, who the whole treatment program was, let's move towards uh, this whole social transitioning so we can move them on to medical. And then we have these medical uh uh, clinics that are opened up all across the country that are cashing in on this instead of following the most basic premise of do no harm. Yeah, it, it's really, I'm just going to be blunt here. It's really disgusting uh, what we're seeing. There's, there's, there's very little regulatory oversight except for a couple states like Florida and, and Texas. But in most states, there's very little regulatory oversight so I'm actually looking right now at a report that came out. It's called the, the U.S. Sex Reassignment Surgery Market Size. And it's, it's, I got it off the, what, the Internet. And they're, they're actually boasting about how the, the number of surgical reassignments uh, is projected to, to skyrocket over the next 10 years around the country so yeah there's a there's a lot of money in this there's a lot of ideology in this but yes the, fundamentally this is driven by a marxist concept we need to replace the family as the fundamental unit of society with the government as the fundamental unit of society and what better way to do that is to eliminate the concept of sex and uh, really confuse everybody in terms of their basic self-concept. Yeah, it also serves that double-edged sword, too, of population control that uh, the Marxists really need to, to mandate as well. Uh, and thank you so much for joining me today, and, and I appreciate everything you're doing uh, in all levels of what SAVE has been doing uh, for as long as you guys have been uh, 
out there trying to help make sure that there is actual fairness on the college campuses and now well beyond that as well. Uh, before we uh, let you go, though, please remind everybody one more time uh, the websites that uh, they would need to go, especially if they want to support your work and uh, any of the social media handles that you guys are active on. Feel free to share those as well. Oh, sure. Happy to. So our website is www.saveservices.org. Again, saveservices.org. Uh, if you go to that website, uh, right there, it'll jump out at you. You'll see three drag queens smiling at you. And if you click at, on that page, you'll see all this information about the gender transitioning, the problems with free speech, uh, I mean, all of these issues we've been discussing. So, yeah, we're we're active in the media. We're active uh, on the legislative front. We have this Title IX network. If any of your listeners are involved with an organization that are concerned about this new Title IX proposal, we'd be happy to welcome them to join uh, into our Title IX network. All right. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, busy man, but this is part of that work, getting the message out there. And uh, proud to be able to help you get that message out a little bit. Keep up the good work, sir. And I uh, look forward to our next opportunity to get together again and uh, talk about some uh, victories, I hope. Thank you so much. Good to chat with you. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was indeed the founder of SAVE, Edward Bartlett and uh, we right now are facing some of the most horrific moments in our history because we are seeing nearly half of the country engaging actively in child abuse horrific child abuse I, I don't think I can use the word harsh enough what SAVE is doing, I've, I've been a supporter of their efforts to, to maintain due process because obviously due process is something that is important for everyone. But now they're out here having to stand up for parents' rights to know what schools are doing to their children, not for their children. That's the argument they're trying to make. Then they try to bully parents into thinking, well, you have to choose. Do you want a, a live daughter or a dead son? It's like, I have a son. And if they're going to die, I think that has more to do with what you're pumping into their heads. We've been following story after story of abuse after abuse, uh, parents that are having their rights ripped away from them, women who are not safe in their locker rooms, in their dressing rooms. Oh, but Tim, you're just spouting transphobia stuff. No. Look, if and if you listen to the show any at all, whenever the topic comes up, I constantly state when it comes to anyone that's legitimately suffering from gender dysphoria, I want them to get the help that they need. I want them to be able to pursue, once they're an adult, whatever course of action they think they need to follow. I still don't recommend the surgeries because I've had more than one guest on over the years who have done the full transitions. I have yet to meet anyone 
who has done a anything more than social transitioning that has not regretted it, sometimes nearly instantly. And it's stuff that once you start, there is no coming back from. And the fact that we have politicians in this country that are trying to pass laws to make it harder for us to protect our children, for us to protect our grandchildren, for us to protect the children of our neighbors, the children in our community, because we have the nerve, the gumption to stand up and say, no, not here, not in the state of Tennessee, not in the state of Missouri, not in the state of Texas, and we sure as heck shouldn't even be allowing it in the state of California, the state of New York. There should be enough parents in these places that are willing to stand up and protect their own rights, protect their children. If you're not going to stand up for your children, what will you stand up for? I mean, honestly, are you even going to stand up for yourself? Once you become a parent, aren't you more inclined to stand up for your parent for, for your parent for your children's protection than your own? Aren't you willing to swallow your pride more to protect your child than to protect yourself? I mean, that, that's where I'm always. That's usually the trade-off I'm making. What do I got to do to make sure my kid's taken care of? Ugh. If I didn't have to make sure that my daughter got to do this, I would not uh, I would not sit here biting my tongue. Or more. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to have to keep from winding down because if I keep winding up, I'm going to blow right past the hour reset. And we probably should do the hour reset. Um, but again, thank you so much to Edward and to uh, Connor both for joining me. And again, we spent a lot of time talking about college campuses in this first hour. We'll look at the broader country as a whole in hour number two. We'll be right back. Doug, help me with my Wuthal moment. the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for hour number two of tonight's live broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. So very glad to have you along with me for the ride. Before we jump into the next topic, however, once again, I need to talk to you a little bit about today's sponsor. That, of course, is 4Patriots.com, the number four patriots.com now they are heavily promoting right now the patriot power generator 1800 it is a solar generator that doesn't use gas so it doesn't have fumes and 
Instead of being loud, it's as quiet as a laptop. Plus, it's lightweight. You literally can take it with you wherever you need to go. You can pick it up and take it camping. You can bring it inside if you need to. Again, because it's safe. There's no fumes. So we're talking about no risk of carbon monoxide, which is the silent killer. And uh, again, uh, they keep telling me, be sure to tell everybody the story of Craig. Carbon monoxide was the tragic beginning and ending of the story of Craig. It's the only reason people know about him other than his friends and family. The thing is, you probably knew a Craig too. You probably know somebody who decided, hey, you know what? I need a, a backup power generator. And they got one and they hooked it up and they either didn't follow all the safety instructions or they didn't know or didn't understand. Or even worse, something out of the ordinary occurred so that there was a buildup of carbon monoxide poisoning. It happens. And the truth is, thanks to this new generation of uh, power generators, it doesn't have to. And because of some of the payment plan options that uh, forpatriots.com has available, you can afford it, even if you think you can't. At the very least, go check it out. In fact, all you got to do is go over to forpatriots.com. That's the number four, forpatriots.com, and then use code TAP. That's T-A-P-P. Andy, that's how I spell my name. And uh, then all you have to do is set back, place your order. You get 10% off with the whole freaking website so that that means that you can get some heirloom seeds that means you could get a, a water purifier it also means if you are so inclined you can get the patriot power generator uh, definitely go do it right now don't waste your time keep listening to the show but go visit fourpatriots.com Use the code TAP, T-A-P-P, get your 10% off, get your new power generator today. And now uh, we're uh, making a swerve, we're making a change, calling an audible, and maybe even upgrading the show a little bit. Uh, our scheduled guest, unavailable, something happened, something came up, but like a true hero and like the patriot he is, and not to mention the fact that he's my friend and sometimes likes to bail me out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, uh, first of all, welcome back to the show, and thank you so very much for joining me on such ridiculously short notice. Hey, listen, I don't need any more than three minutes. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the top is... How the heck are you with all these spy balloons flying around and UFOs and everything else. How are you doing over there? Because <laughs> I know it flew over your house the other day. Yeah, I, uh, I I sent a few hand gestures in the general direction of it, and it strangely <laughs> went on. So I, I guess it's all, all it needed to see here. I don't, <laughs> unlike my neighbors who were shooting at it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah. I, I tell you what, uh, so Ken, it has you, been a crazy, friend. crazy few weeks. Uh, a few of the topics I wanted to talk about tonight, I wanted to get your take on it. Um, first and foremost, I, I don't know if you realize this or not. I was, I literally, uh, I thought I was going to have to go to the ER because I nearly had a uh, coronary event. Uh, 
the New York Times, uh, the New York Times, accidentally committed an act of journalism. <laughs> they were oh my actually, God! You're kidding. They were talking about uh, transgenderism, and they were actually telling the truth. And as a result, they then uh, got this big letter criticizing uh, the whole thing, uh, claiming that they weren't being fair, and a whole bunch of people, a lot of folks that have been contributors, and then some celebrities signed this open letter. And then the New York Times decided that they were going to grow a pair of cojones and they actually shot back at these folks in the open letter <laughs> and they cracked on glad and they did some other stuff. So again, I don't know if you've been following this any at all, Ken, but this is just such a delicious story of the left. Uh, finally kind of realizing that not all of their agenda really meshes together like they'd like, but uh, would love to get your thoughts, first of all, of the New York Times actually covering an LGBTQ story in a fair and balanced fashion. Uh, is that just not the most amazing thing you've ever heard? Well, if the New York Times did that, which I believe you and believe they may have, then, yeah, it is. Uh, we need to put them up for some sort of Nobel Prize or something. <laughs> uh, but I think you're seeing... Tim, in all honesty, I think you're seeing the Democrats in the middle of meltdown right now because they're panic-stricken. They know Joe is in trouble, and they know they've covered for him for about as long as they can, and the world is on to him, and they know. I'm not picking on Joe. Joe is a sick man. He really is, and I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for those in his immediate sphere that are having to do this to prop him up to keep him functioning as president, uh, which he's really not functioning. He's just sort of there. But at any rate, I think they're realizing how much trouble they're in. And they're realizing that this bizarre, radicalized left-wing agenda of theirs is not playing on Main Street anymore. People are sick of it. They're, they're sick of the schools doing what they're doing. They're sick of uh, boys participating in girls' sports. They're sick of children being operated on, you know, which is absolute insanity. Uh, you know, the sex change operations on little children are starting them out on drugs and stuff. They're realizing that this ain't flying anymore. And they're going to have to tack back to the middle. And yes. Joe is so far gone. I, I think they're in trouble, Tim. I really do. And I think they're starting to realize it. Yeah, I think what makes it worse is that their brand is so depleted, too. They don't really have a bench, although they pretend like they do. Uh, you start off talking about the, uh, the balloon scenario, and I think that actually goes a long way towards being one of those final nail in the coffin things because first we see this what we clearly know to be a Chinese spy balloon and that they have right. since now acknowledged that they actually 
uh, were watching the thing be launched, watched it uh, make its entire trip and uh, the whole turn and the, the, the trip over Alaska and then into Canada and then down into Montana and then all across the rest of the country, including right over my house. And then immediately after, now every time somebody kicks uh, a Kroger uh, grocery bag into the air and it floats more than 10 feet up, he's sending out uh, raptors to, and $40,000 Sidewinder <laughs> missiles to blow it out of the sky. And just the lack of consistency in the fact that they're acknowledging they're not even checking to verify what these things are now that there's because the they look so weak with the Chinese spy balloon. Now they're overcompensating, and it makes it clear that these people, and we'll get to the train story in a minute, which also makes it pretty clear, uh, they're so incompetent at what they're doing, you can't just make these, uh, these, these inclusion hires and, and expect good things. You have to put the ability to do the job. You have to put merit-based thinking in your decision-making at the top of the list and then see if you can diversify or if you can't, then they don't get the job. It really is becoming that kind of an issue. Well, I, I need to, am I allowed to slightly correct you on one thing real quickly? And I'll tell you how I know this. Uh, my son is in the United States Space Force. Mm -hmm. And we've had this discussion. He's a major. And uh, we've had this very discussion. It started out discussing it on Kim Jong-un launching rockets a couple of years ago. But he told me that you could launch, and he said this, this is verbatim, you could launch a rocket out of North Korea, and by the time it hits 500 feet elevation, we know it was launched, we know what it is, we know the direction it's going, we know the payload, we know everything. That's how accurate our satellite systems are. And this is the division of the Space Force that my son's involved in. Uh, we can take a rocket, and this is his quote, he could launch a rocket from Chicago and park it in your bedroom in Hong Kong and literally park it in your bedroom. Um, that's the capacity of what we have. So when they launched that balloon out of China, they knew within 10 minutes what it was, where it was, you know, probably where it was going. And they knew all about it, and they had photographs of it and everything else, uh, because they take this, they they take all that from satellites off of satellites. So they knew the minute those children's balloons. Apparently, they were very large children's balloons, <laughs> and they knew the minute they were launched, where they came from, what they were, and everything. So Biden shoots these things down trying to, this is my take on this, trying to say, hey, America, I'm protecting the home turf here. Don't worry about it. I got you covered. And then all of a sudden it leaks out what these things really were. And now he's made out look like a fool, which he is, sending up F-22s after children's $25 balloons 
with four hundred thousand dollar rockets. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <Well. laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it, bad. It would be funny if that wasn't our taxpayer dollars being wasted. <laughs> it would uh, be funny if it wasn't so damn tragic. You're right. <laughs> but when, when when I point out uh, incompetence, I'm not talking about the efforts, however, of uh, anybody in the military or their ability to, to do this. I'm talking about the folks that are laying out the, the actual policy right. that our government's policy. That is completely and totally incompetent. You you do not <coughs> excuse me you do not show yourself to be as weak as they did because there were so many opportunities over the Dakotas over Montana to have shot this thing down early you could have caught it over Alaska you knew what it was the whole oh, time you yeah. just didn't think anybody would notice but then to overcompensate as much as they have as if nobody's going to recognize that oh uh, this is an overreaction. The effort to try and blame stuff on Trump. Excuse me, even if this stuff was happening all the time under Trump, why would you use that as your excuse to why you're letting it happen? These people are so inept at their actual job of doing public policy, it would be laughable if it wasn't for the fact that they're the ones currently getting to do it, and we have to live with whatever messes they make. Well, I, I want to point something out because I wrote an article about this the other day. Uh, they claim, the left claims, the White House claims that this happened under Trump. And they had some balloons go over Texas and what have you. So you mean to tell me that you launched this gigantic Chinese balloon in China made it across the Pacific Ocean, made it across California, made it across Arizona, New Mexico, and into Texas, and we never detected it, really? Is that what you're wanting us to believe? No, it never happened. It's all horse fertilizer. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're lying. Because we would have known, and I, you know Trump, I know Trump, he would have sent up, yeah, no, that balloon would have never made it to Texas. The minute it hit Santa Barbara, California, it had been all over. <laughs> He'd have brought that thing down in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It would have literally Man. been mounted in Mar-a-Lago like it was its oh, trophy yeah. head. <laughs> like its deer horns. He would have put it over the fireplace, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but, yeah... That's that's the funny part. They want you to believe that. But my point still stands that even if it had happened, and that's not a, a capitulation to say that it did, but even if it had, let's play the little game. How is that an excuse? At the end of the day that we know <clears throat> that Joe Biden has a ridiculously huge connection to his bank account to the Chinese Communist Party. He has been been bought and paid for, so is Hunter, so is James, so is basically anybody with the last name Biden at this point. And they have a vested interest for when they're no longer in politics to make sure that they play as soft and loose with the rules with China as they possibly can, including pretending like they're not a threat. Hey, come on, they're not bad people, folks. (laughs) 
uh, maybe the people of China may not be, but the Chinese Communist Party, that's a different story. And they're literally everywhere. They're growing steam. They're picking up speed. They're expanding their tendrils into the Western Hemisphere. They are probably more dangerous now than they've ever been because their economy is starting to get shaky. And what makes it worse is we've made it clear, thanks to the policies of these morons who are incapable of doing a smart thing, we are in this position where we could be harmed easily. And, I mean, if one of these balloons had been loaded with EMP bomb capabilities, how big of a swath of the power grid being taken out would the American people be facing right now? With this uh, well, storm you, weather we just had passed right, through? You live right in the big middle of it. The Tennessee Valley Authority controls the power and the electric grid for, what, 20, 25 states? I mean, if they, if they had done that over Knoxville, over your house, it would have knocked out from the Mississippi River east. It would have knocked out everything. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine what would have happened to all those airplanes. Imagine what would have happened to all the bank accounts. Imagine what would have happened to, you know, electricity to your homes, at least the problems that that would have caused. I mean, that that would have been catastrophic. It would have shut this nation down, literally. Yeah. And literally weather- shut us down. Had that thing had an EMP like you're describing, over Knoxville, Tennessee, and knock out that Tennessee Valley Authority, oh, my God. It would have been horrific, just horrific. Not to mention Oak Ridge. And for yeah. those of your listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, Oak Ridge, that, that's where we develop and manufacture most of our nuclear weaponry at. And it's right out, it's an old town right outside of Knoxville. For years, it was top secret. In fact, it still goes by the monicum, the secret city. Uh, It is where the Manhattan Project was uh, originally done. Of course, a lot of the uh, bomb building takes place out down in New Mexico now. But there's still a lot of laboratory work and a lot of scientific research that gets done up here. But yeah, if if they had taken out uh, right over this area, it would have been the biggest portion of the southeastern United States that would have suffered. And, and there would have been some kind of uh, tendrils further out, but yeah, it would have been scary. And with the weather we've had this past week, the damage that would have been done is it's hard to even calculate. It, it oh, would have been devastating. Uh, by the way, I, I got some uh, political news for you if you're interested. Go right ahead. And some of it, it's it's top secret. But I'll oh, share well, then anyway. definitely have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're about to have a new contender in the Republican hunt. He's yeah. uh, from California, and his name's Larry Elder. Oh. And uh, yeah, Larry's thinking about jumping in. I talked to the lady yesterday on the telephone because I'm hiring her for another project involving a congressional candidate 
but she's a major Republican fundraiser, and she has been contacted by the elder camp, and they're wanting to retain her services uh, to start raising money for a presidential run for Larry Elder. That's the first tidbit. The second tidbit is I spent, I got a call, let's see, what day is today? Friday, it was Tuesday night from a lady down in Arizona who called me that works for this particular lady. Then the next day, I got another call from the lady's right-hand person, which is another lady. (laughs) And uh, between the two calls, I spent two and a half hours on the telephone with them. And it looks like we've about talked Tulsi Gabbard into running. Wow. So it looks like she may be jumping in as well on the Republican ticket, by the way. Now, Tulsi would obviously be basically putting up a good show and campaigning. Uh, And what I'm pushing for right now is a Tim Scott, because he's getting ready to announce out of South Carolina, the uh, senator, and I'm pushing for a Tim Scott Tulsi Gabbard ticket. And I think that would be a formidable ticket. And I agree. I, the uh, reason be hard I'm to saying this is because the attorney general of Georgia is fixing to indict Donald Trump. The grand jury came back with recommendations for indictment for felony perjury. And when that happens, his campaign's pretty much toast, unfortunately, uh, because felony indictments are serious business. And that's not something you can sweep under the rug. Right. And um, that's bad stuff. And there would be no way he could win, particularly if the Democrats put up a reasonable candidate, unlike the one they currently have. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, yeah, it'd make it tough. So you're going to have uh, Nikki Haley. You're going to have uh, Ron DeSantis is still on the fence. Yeah. Um, He's still, I can't imagine why he would want to get involved in this, really and truly. He's got a gravy train where he's at. He owns the state. He walks on water in the backs of alligators in Florida. Why would he (laughs) want to leave that? His kids go to a good school. His wife is happy. He lives in a nice home. He's got a great job with a big paycheck. Why would he want to give all that up for the circus of running for president? Well, I can't imagine it. <laughs> I mean, well, it's... Let, let me play devil's advocate for a second, Ken. You know as well as I do, sure. you've worked in a lot of campaigns. Sometimes <laughs> folks run one campaign so that they can be ready for the next campaign. So... Uh, I could definitely see Ron wanting to finish out his term in Florida, but knowing that there would be a two-year gap after that. 
uh, it would probably be something that would help build up that war chest even more if he did do a run, even if the intention was to half-heartedly run, get support, finish the job in Florida, and then come back down the road. Uh, so throwing your hat in the ring doesn't necessarily mean that you're hoping to win this time. Um, well, I, but if I'm, you were talking about, if you were talking about, Tim, if you were talking about a regular Joe Blow candidate, you know, congressman so-and-so from Pennsylvania or, you know, whatever, Ron DeSantis is 17 levels above that. He's got the name ID. He's got the notoriety. He is a force to be reckoned with. He is the elephant in the room. And uh, he doesn't have to run a trial campaign like you're saying. In most cases, you're 100% correct. But I don't think he has to do that. I mean, well, he's probably. got the players that would drop everything and come to work for him. He can hire the best of the best. He's already got a lot of money. And his fundraising, I mean, if he wants to really turn up the heat, that that dude could raise $100 million in 30 days if he wanted to, easily. And, and that might be the only agenda, to raise that money and have it, uh, have it in the bank. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, well, you're right. It it's be. not like – I'm sorry? I said it might be. You're probably right. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. It's not like he's in the same situation that a Nikki Haley is where some people will remember her being uh, an aggressive U.S. ambassador at the U.N. where she did a fantastic job. But other people are going to remind conservatives, well, she was kind of wishy-washy about the Confederate flag and when she was governor of South Carolina. And some folks were already attacking her over the fact that, oh, well, you know, uh, she uh, is trying to play like she's a minority. It's like, well, that's not actually what she said. She said being a minority doesn't matter here in America. Uh, so uh, the messaging is going to be well, everywhere. Nikki Haley's going to have an uphill climb. Uh, but it, it is going to be interesting to see how the, the dynamic plays out. And I, I really think Donald Trump... As much as I do love Trump's policies when he was in office, I think he has still taken so much personal uh, venom, I guess is the word, over how things played out in the last election cycle that he he's not campaigning in the same fashion he did before. Uh, and these preemptive attacks on Ron DeSantis has really uh, it's really hurt him more than it's helped him like it did last time uh, so even if we didn't have this looming thing going on in Georgia I think he was going to have an uphill climb this go around anyway a lot of the never Trumpers have managed to whisper in the ears of a lot of voters too uh, it's kind of scary I've seen a lot of folks that were strongly on the Trump train before uh, that were kind of questioning whether or not they felt like they could support him again after January 6th and all these other things that they know have nothing to do with him, uh, or at least not the way it's been presented, I should say. And well, it's just so astounding to see how this is playing out. Well, one of the things that's going to hurt Nikki Haley, I wrote an article a few days ago about it, asking the question, uh, 
the Trump supporters, i.e., the alt-right patriots, the people that are all about the Constitution, and all, you know what I'm saying, uh, not rhinos, faction of the party, the hard right, if you will. Yeah. There, and that's 40 to 50 million will not support Haley because they don't feel like she meets the constitutional definition of a natural-born citizen because her parents were born, they're Indian immigrants from India. Now, she was born in South Carolina, but to them, that's irrelevant. Uh, They're not going to support her, so I don't see how she wins the nomination. Probably not. Uh, we can pick that up a little bit on the other side, but we've got to take a break right now. Ken, don't go anywhere. Sure. Come back and join us. And all you fine all listeners right. out there, don't go anywhere. Ken Crow's with us for a little bit longer. So, you know, it's not just me talking to you. Stay where you're at. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, America. This is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap, Tap Into the Truth. Black History Month has evolved into focusing mostly on females, so I will follow suit. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Eunice Burdell Rivers was born in 1899 in Tuskegee, Alabama's farming community. She was one of three girls raised by loving parents who encouraged them to do well in school, graduate from college, and escape the brutality of life in the South. Eunice and her two sisters excelled. Eunice Rivers became a nurse in 1922. She also became a trusted health authority for black American families. In time, Eunice Rivers was so trusted by the Tuskegee black community, she eventually joined forces with racist white medical doctors in the famous Tuskegee experiments that used black men as tortured human guinea pigs. Her trusted position in and around the rural black farming community enabled her to recruit 600 black men to participate in the agonizing study if they had syphilis. In return, the men received free medical care. The men were never, ever given the medical treatment that could have cured them of the syphilis. As a result, they died agonizing deaths while Eunice Rivers and her white medical superiors conducted the Tuskegee experiments until 1972. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific, and to find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon.
constitutional grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, constitutional grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds Coffee Display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bimonthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Amy. This is Az. Me too. Sharing the night together. Yeah. Sharing the night together. And we are indeed sharing Friday night together. And in case you're wondering who those two voices are at the end of that particular liner, those are a couple of the regular listeners that often hang out over at the Last Frequency chat room with us. So come on over, join MeWe.com if you haven't already. Find the Last Frequency uh, group, sign up, and then come hang out with us. And uh, you can be in the chat room and be part of our uh, show live, too. And uh, with me right now, hanging out with us, is the purveyor of Daily Conservative Briefing. Ladies and gentlemen, Conservative Daily Briefing, master of ceremonies, the man of the plan, or the man of the hour, the guy that can't be stopped when he's talking politics in this country – Mr. Ken Crow, uh, Ken, before we uh, jump back into any topic at all, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Uh, well, you you said it, Conservative Daily Briefing. Now I got a news tip for you. There, we are bringing back Crow's Nest politics. Oh, uh, when cool. I shut it down uh, about four or five years ago, I had uh, over a million reads a month on that website. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't recall now, we decided to close it up. But we're bringing it back. It'll be crowsnestpolitics.org, building a website for it right now. Uh, Got the domain back. And, uh, yeah, so, and then on Twitter, it's at KWR. It's Kilo Whiskey Romeo Crow, C-R-O-W at KWR Crow on Twitter. Uh, 
I don't do all the other 82 social medias, just Facebook, Ken Crow, the guy with the cowboy hat, and uh, and Twitter, and that's about it, and my website. Well, I tell you, Ken, I'm really surprised you're not hanging out with us over at Truth Social, at least. But, uh, you know, it does get very time-consuming if you're bouncing around between 40 different social media sites. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) It it does, and I just simply don't have time. So I would rather the ones that I do, I try to do very well. And uh, that's about all the time I've got for it, to be honest with you. I got one more hot political headline for you this past week a few days ago and i'm trying to figure out what all this is about maybe you can help me carrie lake showed up in des moines and it was a packed house i mean packed and everybody had carrie lake signs and carrie lake t-shirts and this obviously was not spur of the moment and i'm wondering what is she up to why is she in Iowa in the winter? Well, with snow on Ken, the ground. <laughs> I, uh, I, mean. I think there's only one reason to be in Iowa in the winter, unless you live there. <laughs> <laughs> is she running for? I mean, the only thing I can think of is she's going to run for Kirsten Sienema's Senate seat, but. Why do you come to Iowa? Yeah. Why do you, I mean, is she making a play for uh, Veep nomination, trying to get more national recognition? Is that what she's doing? I don't know. But she showed up, and she said she's coming back. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, okay. She is either she is either going to uh, test the waters to, for her own campaign, or she's planning on uh, helping somebody else campaign an awful lot in hopes of having a nice cushy spot in a future administration. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, yeah, that's the logical thing. But anyway, I just thought I'd let you know, Carrie Lake's. Uh... Peru or uh, careening around the cornfields of Iowa right now. So yeah, and we've got others coming. Yeah, they're that are on schedule. So I was starting to heat up, and uh, I'll keep you posted on yeah. the goings on. Well, we do count on you for that, sir. We do count on you for that. Um, on uh, a more. Uh, topical uh, situation, though. Uh, how closely have you been following this train derailment uh, that took place in Ohio? Uh, without just being totally immersed, I've been keeping up with it. I know that Biden has rejected requests for uh, disaster relief. I know that some idiot decided, well, let's do a controlled burn. And they've managed to poison all the wildlife and the fish and make the place basically unlivable. And somebody described it pretty well today as saying East Palestine, Ohio was nuked. 
and that's what it looks like. I mean, I, I saw a picture of the black cloud hanging over the city, and it's tragic and it's pathetic. And derailments happen, but whoever the moron was that decided to set fire to this thing should have their head examined. That's my opinion. You know, there could very well be an engineering reason why they did it, and I'm sure there is that I don't, I'm not aware of, but. I think it's tragic. Yes, I've been keeping up with it a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously the the parts that I, I'm most interested in discussing with you right now, uh, other than the fact that, yeah, obviously somebody probably should have at least questioned the idea of burning off the chemicals. And supposedly the idea there is that that will help uh, get rid of the more toxic aspects a lot faster. And maybe that is the case, but the problem is a couple of these chemicals, when they're burned together in such close proximity, it basically becomes a biological weapon. Well, a chemical weapon, not a biological one. I, I should, I should be specific and accurate with how I uh, approach that. But it was literally a chemical weapon used in World War II, and that was unleashed on this community of East Palestine, and. What really kind of boggles my mind beyond anything else is that this is one of those situations where the brand, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, should be stepping up. This should be an opportunity for him to shine, but instead, once again, he shows what happens with the diversity hire. The, the guy clearly does not belong as the Secretary of Transportation. I'm sorry, thinking airports are romantic is dumb. And wrong, and uh, liking choo choos, while clearly that's enough to have something in common with barely there Biden, it still doesn't qualify you to be Secretary of Transportation. And all this keeps swirling around, and their ineptitude is so obvious. But I'm I'm kind of unclear when it comes to FEMA in this matter, because this rejection of federal aid to the community. Uh, is there actually because I'm I've been looking for it I haven't come across it yet I'm sure the information's out there maybe you know uh, is there something that constrains FEMA to only dealing with natural disasters so this doesn't fall into that definition I don't believe so because we've had other catastrophic disasters before and FEMA got involved um they, you know, it, it's no FEMA. Biden could have signed something and appropriated some help, sent in the National Guard or had the governor do it or whatever, and they could have helped these folks out. No, there's, and and from everything I'm reading, this place is basically going to be a wasteland. But this is not. I want to clarify something. This is not Buttigieg's first failure. If you'll recall, when the Biden administration first took office and Buttigieg was appointed as transportation secretary, we had the Los Angeles Harbor, the Long Beach Harbor, the San Francisco Bay Area, all congested with tankers that couldn't unload because Buttigieg and the president decided, well, only unionized trucks can haul these things when the predominance of trucking today is owner-operators and independent companies that are not part of the Teamsters Union. Teamster Union is a fraction of what it was 30, 40 years ago. 
And so consequently, we only had a few trucks operating instead of thousands of trucks operating because of these morons. And they left the bays congested with literally hundreds of tanker ships or transport, you know, ships with all those rail cars on them and stuff um, sitting there in the bay. And they couldn't unload them. And this went on for months causing shortages in our grocery stores and shortages of, you know, everywhere, clothes and everything. Nothing was getting unloaded. And uh, it really hurt America. Then we have aviation problems. And the last big one was in January. That was the first time that all flights in America had been grounded since 9-11, and it was a direct result of Buttigieg's failure to ensure that all of the systems were upgraded in these control centers and control towers and stuff, and they had computer meltdowns, and it shut the aviation industry down. We grounded all our airplanes, and that cost America astronomical amounts of money because you basically shut part of the economy down. So Buttigieg is a failure, and he's there only because, and I'm not saying this to be critical of anybody, but he's there because of woke politics, because he's gay. And Biden needed to appoint a gay person to a high-profile position. And that's why he's there. Yeah, and, and he's the way not they qualified. Yeah, the way they still talk about him, they're trying to protect him as a brand too, because they they still think he's a viable presidential candidate because he looks good on television, and he uh, checks the little sure. intersectionality boxes. But yes, that, again, uh, if you go on Twitter mm-hmm. and pull up Pete, they call him Pothole Pete. In yeah. uh, Indiana, they do yes, not so. like him. <laughs> Northern Indiana, they do. I'm serious. They and I won't tell you the other names they call him, which you probably <laughs> already know. Um, but he is not regarded by his constituency with any respect or admiration. Well, I, I don't think he's really regarded with much uh, within the party either. I, I don't know if you caught it. Uh, I think it was today. It might have been yesterday, but I'm pretty sure it was today. Miss uh, Jean-Pierre, the probably worst <laughs> press secretary in the history of the position, she actually started to refer to him as Mayor Pete before she called herself and corrected it. So even that just tells you... He's more a brand than an actual human being, at least as far as the party's concerned. But yeah, yeah I, but this should have been a slam dunk because the government could set back, put all of this on the rail line, and then just swoop in and be heroes. And they can't even get that right because they don't want to attack uh, the railroad here, Norfolk Southern, in this case, because that's a big voter block that they count on, the union uh, is there for the party. They don't want to go too far. So they're actually trying to run cover for the union more than even for themselves, and it shows. Uh, 
And the end well, of the discussion here is that people living in the Ohio River Basin right now, especially those around East Palestine, are in so much jeopardy because of the failures here. Now, trains derail, bad stuff happens. I'm still <laughs> looking at the federal regulations, and I'm trying to get an explanation from somebody as to why it seems like some rules were bent and allowing them to have so many of these different chemicals that are known to interact negatively with one another uh, so close together. There are rules for transporting these hazardous materials. Now, they do it all the time, and they want it done on trains, but it doesn't look like this necessarily follows the standard protocols. And beyond that, just the ineptitude of how they're coming out here and trying to cover it, it's just, to me... It is disgusting because these people, these good, hardworking Ohio citizens, are once again going to pay a heavy price and not get the kind of help that they need. And going back to the question that I asked about FEMA and their mandate, even if it was a extension of their mandate, when have we seen, especially in the Biden administration, the federal government not go above and beyond what their actual mandated responsibilities are if it's a chance to spend money and win votes? Well, we haven't, and I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out some with you. We're going to chase a rabbit for just a minute, and it's going to come back around. Okay. Uh, who was behind who was the huge backer behind shutting the Keystone Pipeline down? It was Warren Buffett because he wanted all the oil transported on his trains and on his trucks. Who is one of the largest donors to Democrat politics every year? It's Warren Buffett. Who owns Norfolk Southern? Warren Buffett. Now, if you connect all the dots... We come right back to Warren Buffett and Biden and Buttigieg is not going to do anything to incur his wrath. They can't afford it. He donates millions to the Democrat Party every cycle. And that, I, I think, if you were able to be a fly on the wall in a smoke-filled room, would be what you'd learn. I, I guarantee you this has something to do with Warren Buffett. I, I think you are probably it. right, my friend. All right, we've got just a few minutes left, and I wanted to at least broach one more topic with you because this sure. is something that I know we've all talked a lot about. I spent a lot of time talking about this, but the latest in the ongoing saga with now Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman. He's now checked himself into a hospital for inpatient care for depression. Now, it's perfectly understandable that this would happen when you're suffering from uh, trying to recover from the stroke. It's fairly common. But to need in-house care is a big deal. And to me, this still feels like they're still trying to just hide him away as to see how bad his condition actually is. But real quick... What's your take on the latest with the Fetterman saga? I have nothing but sympathy for John Fetterman. I think he was pushed by the Democrat Party and his his uh, power-seeking wife. Mm -hmm. And I 
think that he wasn't ready. And I have nothing but sympathy for him in the, in the context of him suffering from clinical depression because that is a very, very serious deal. And uh, if that is, in fact, what's going on, then my heart goes out to him. Because, uh, as you well know, you know, that's what Robin Williams and a lot of people have suffered from that. And you know the end result, usually. And it's not good. So... My heart goes out to John Fetterman and those that love him, and uh, and I feel sorry for the people of Pennsylvania. But hey, you know, you guys voted for him, and you knew what was going on, and yet you still voted for him. So now they don't have any representation for that seat in the Senate, and uh, there may be more going on. We have no way of knowing. But he is at Walter Reed, so I'm sure he's getting very good care. And uh, I hope he recovers or whatever. I mean, I hope he – I mean, I don't agree with the guy's politics, but he's a human being, and that's why my heart goes out to him. I don't like to see anybody suffer. Well, a lot of the sentiment you just expressed is exactly how I feel, too. I feel bad for him with his current situation. But what really shows the type of slime balls we're dealing with, and when I say the slime balls, I'm talking about the Democratic Party in this particular case. They are so desperate to hold on to Fetterman holding that position that they're going to try every way in the world they can to avoid him having to step down. And it's because of this little glitch in Pennsylvania uh, state law. If he was to step down now, they could appoint somebody, and of course the Democrats are already saying, hey, appoint his wife, put his wife there because she's the type of crazy they really like. But what happens there is if they make that appointment, it's only temporary, and they have to uh, have an election for the next go-round. Uh, the next time the next Senate seat opens up, they'll have to go ahead and fill both, which means that they would run a risk that after the Biden administration has done all the damage it can do in one term of trying to not just defend one seat, but possibly having to defend both seats from strong Republican challengers. And they're going to do everything they can to avoid that. How crappy is it that, uh, and you've only got about a minute, uh, Ken, how crappy is it that Democratic Party politics is going to hang this guy out to dry even after he's clearly already given almost everything he has to give, despite the fact of how horrible his actual politics are. Well, it just goes to show you how heartless the Democrat Party is. They have no empathy. They're only interested in power and money, and that's it. And it just is further proof to that testament. And it, it's sad. And people are suffering because of it. Not to mention the couple of million residents in Pennsylvania. So that's sort of my thoughts on it. I think it sucks. And I think the Democrat Party should be ashamed of itself. Yeah, it should. The party constantly claims to be for the little guy and for the people, and it shamelessly will utilize whoever it can as much as it can.
just to hold on to its own power and its own influence and the whole time continues to try to shred apart our Constitution and take away everything that's positive about this country. In the name of equity, they do their darndest to make sure their own superiority remains high and that the rest of us get their crumbs. They may whine and complain about trickle-down economics, but uh, they're supporting programs that uh, only allow crumbs off their table for the rest of us, and that's far worse. Uh, Ken, again, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I appreciate it, especially given the short notice. We'll definitely have some more scheduled visitations upcoming as things start heating up because, you know, once the primaries are in full swing, I've got to have you on at least once every couple of weeks. So (laughs) we'll definitely be getting together a lot more in the very near future. My honor, my friend. And by the way, for the listeners out there, you guys have a great patriot for a radio host. He's a good man. See you later, Tim. Take care, buddy. Same to you, sir. Thank you very much. Talk to you again soon, Ken. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ken Crow. And hey, breaking news, Crow's Nest politics will be coming back. I actually will appreciate that because some of the first uh, opinion pieces that I wrote that Ken published he, of mine that he actually put over there. In the meanwhile, check the show description. I'll have links uh, to a conservative daily briefing as well. And uh, you know what? That just leaves us to this point of the evening. It's Friday. We are practically done. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Thanks again to Doug in the control room, keeping everything locked down for me, even though he's having to try to have dinner and fight off the crazy Cajun cats and all the other insanity going on. And just remember, guys, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody. in both
is using both hands. Using both hands. <laughs>